Welcome to the July 26th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 3, verses 12 through 21, and the sermon is entitled, Answering the Eternal Question, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Well, we continue on in a sermon series through the great gospel of John in your New Testament. And actually today, if you're joining us for the first time today, we are continuing a conversation that really began with Jesus last week. Jesus had a man approach him whose name was Nicodemus. And those two men talked about life, earthly life, but also true life. Life with purpose, life with intention, and life with eternity attached to it. This is one of the most memorable conversations and one of the most memorable moments in all of your Bible. It contains today the most memorized verse within your Bible. So I want you to turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. This man, Nicodemus... As I give you a little bit of the backstory, because we're going to fall into the scripture here about halfway through of this conversation. This man, Nicodemus, was a religious intellect. He was a ruler in the people of the Jews. He was greatly honored because he wasn't just a teacher of scripture, he was the master teacher of the scripture to the people. He knew his Bible, what we understand as our Old Testament, through and through. But he comes to Jesus by night, asking Jesus questions about his ministry and his teaching. Why did he come to Jesus by night? Why did John put that in his gospel, that that Jesus met Nicodemus by night? Well, I think there are primarily maybe three reasons that could have happened. Number one, Nicodemus was a very busy man in the Jewish community. He was the master teacher of scripture to the people so people thronged around him all day long maybe this was the freest moment he had in his day to come to ask Jesus these questions and so he meets him at night secondly perhaps although he was a great teacher of the Bible he knew down deep in his heart something was missing And even though as a master teacher and all the people gathering around him, Nicodemus came to Jesus because he wanted to be under the cloak of nightfall asking Jesus these important questions outside of the hearing of those he taught. But thirdly, and I like this reason that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, perhaps John the Gospel writer has us note that a night meeting took place because Nicodemus was a man of great learning, great intellect, and yet there was a darkness in his heart and a darkness in his soul because he did not know the good news and the salvation of Jesus Christ. So he came to Jesus by night symbolically because he had a darkness in his own heart, in his own mind, in his own soul, and he knew something was missing, and so he came to Christ. This meeting with Jesus takes place in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Last week, we studied verses 1 through 11. Jesus describes a second birth to Nicodemus, the birth of forgiveness, the birth of faith, the birth of trust, the birth of salvation. Well, Nicodemus, as smart, as intelligent, as learned as he was, still asked the question of a child. 
When he hears Jesus say that you need to be born a second time, his childish question was, Lord, does that mean that as a man I am to enter once again into my mother's womb and be reborn physically again? And Jesus has patience with him, and he says, No, Nicodemus, that's not what I mean at all. The first birth is a physical birth, a biological birth. All of us are born biologically. But the second birth is spiritual. The second birth is a radical change of your heart. The second birth is where God comes to literally live inside of you. And you don't just turn over a new leaf, Nicodemus. You have a whole new life because God has forgiven you, God has loved you, and God has given you life by living inside you. And then Jesus says, Nicodemus, you are a genius. You're a master teacher of the people. You know the Bible. But don't turn away the invitation that you're going to hear. Don't turn away my words that I'm going to speak to you because you, Nicodemus, need to hear them. And that brings us to the second half of this conversation, John chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. So let's hear the remainder of the conversation with Jesus and this intelligent man, Nicodemus. Go to John chapter 3, go to verse 12. Jesus says, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. May God add his blessing to this precious portion of his word, and I want to join with you one moment in prayer. Dear Lord God, we're reading the heart of the Bible here. We're reading the heart of the message of God. We're reading the heart of the love letter that God has given to us. Lord, I pray that you use my tongue this day to bring truth to this word, and it's not by my intellect or by my intelligence. It's by your grace, by your graciousness to us. Use me, Father, I pray, to speak your precious, inerrant word this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you well know, 
This is one of the most beloved passages in all of Scripture. As Jesus talks to this genius of a man, he says, Nicodemus, even as a teacher of the Bible, you're living on an earthly level. I want you to listen to me because I'm going to lead you to a new level, to a truth that you need, a level of a spiritual truth, a level of a spiritual life that you need. Yes, you're an intelligent man. Yes, you're a genius. Yes, you're a teacher. Yes, you're the master teacher. But there's something missing in you, Nicodemus, that you need, a spiritual truth that you've yet to come to. And Jesus tells him, don't turn this away. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. You've not been to heaven to see God, Nicodemus. But I am come down from heaven as God to give this truth to you. You didn't go to heaven to get the truth. I came from heaven to give you the truth. That's true for every one of us. Friends, as Jesus addresses Nicodemus 2,000 years ago, he's also addressing the church's challenge today. All of us live in a material and physical world. We can't get away from that. All of us live in this world of resources and finances and things that we buy and things that we pay and all of the things that we do on the material realm, we all do them. All of us live in this world where we need money. We pay our bills, we pay our taxes, we buy houses and cars and we raise our families. We have to live in this earthly life. It comes as a part of the package. When we're born physically into the world, we're going to live in the material side of the world. But here's our challenge, church. Listen carefully. Here's our challenge. How do we, as the church, help people get their eyes off of the ground of earth, off of this earthly life, and help them to look up to see that there's so much more to life so much more to living, so much more purpose for why God put us here. It's not simply to live this earthly life and to make money and pay bills and have savings account. There's more to life than that. That's what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. That's what Jesus is saying to us as the church, and that's the message that we're to take into the world. There's more to living than just this earthly life. The things of earth are part of life, but they're temporary. They're going to pass away. But what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus is that his presence in our life gives us true life and gives us true purpose. And we wake up every day realizing there's a reason I woke up today, and that's to serve and live for and worship my holy God. And that purpose for life not only gives us purpose every day of this earthly journey, but it also gives us eternity, eternal life. Life with our God forever and ever. So, church, our calling is to help people of the earth take their eyes off of the ground and look up to see Jesus and to see his love for their lives. How do we get people to look up from the earth and see how God has blessed us, how he wants us to move from just an earthly existence to an existence in his spirit with his life living in us and coursing through us to give us new life and life from above and life that is eternal. Well, I want you to see how Jesus addresses Nicodemus in this. He uses an account from the Old Testament. Write this reference down. 
Nicodemus was a scholar of the Old Testament. He knew this account from the Bible, from the words of Moses, like the back of his hand. It comes from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. But let's back up. Listen to the verse that Jesus leads in with Nicodemus. Look at verse 14. John chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus says this to Nicodemus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, that made a connection with Nicodemus. He remembered an account from Moses' life and the children of Israel's life. It comes from Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. Write that reference down so you can go to it sometime and reread it. Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. Let me summarize that Old Testament account. The Israelites have left slavery in Egypt. God has blessed them. God has released them from captivity that was centuries long. And they have endured the wilderness, and they're in the process of conquering Canaan land, the land that God is giving to them. And in every corner, they're facing challenges, but in every corner, they're facing victories because God Almighty is on their side. God is blessing them with success. God is blessing them as he's giving them the promised land, Canaan land, at every turn. But even in the midst of God's amazing blessings of the Israelites' lives, the Israelites complain and they bellyache, and they speak against God, and they're speaking against God's leader, Moses. And they're whining, and they're saying, Oh, we just wish we could go back to slavery in Egypt where we could eat good food. We wish we could just go back to Egypt, even if we're in captivity, and we won't have to be out here in this desert, in this heat. If we could just go back to slavery, if we could just go back to the comforts of not having to worry about conquering Canaan land. And God's judgment comes upon them. God is angered because he is blessing them at every turn. He is feeding them. He is giving them water. He's giving them victory. He's giving them success. And all they can do is whine. And God's anger is stirred. And he sends a judgment upon them in the form of fiery snakes. And the Israelites that are bitten by the snakes die. So the ranks of the Israelites are being threatened by these snakes and snake bites and death in the camp. So the people run to Moses, and they said, we've sinned, oh, we're sorry. Approach God, Moses, please plead for him to take these snakes away from us. We're sorry that we've sinned. Ask God to relieve us from these snakes that are in the desert here. And Moses prays to God, and God gives the answer to their prayers. God gives the answer to their healing. If you want to turn with me, at least write this reference down. It's Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9. Listen to how God solves the fiery snake problem and the snake bite problem. Numbers 21, verses 8 and 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So think about the picture now. God tells Moses, here's the way Israel is delivered from the death of the snakes. 
Make a snake made out of brass. Put it on a pole. Raise that pole up so that snake is between heaven and earth. The snake is not on the ground like the fiery snakes. The snake on the pole is raised up so that the Israelites have to look off the ground at the fiery snakes and look up at the snake on the pole. And when they are bitten by the snake of earth, they can look upward to that snake on the pole and they will live. They will be healed. Nicodemus knew that story through and through. He knew it well. Okay, now let's go back to John chapter 3. Jesus tells Nicodemus, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, I also, Jesus says, I also will be lifted up. The serpent on the pole is a prophecy of a Savior on a cross. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole in the wilderness and in Canaan land, I also will be lifted up on a tree. And you'll have to look up to me. You'll have to look off of the ground and look up to see me on the cross. I too will be lifted up between earth and heaven. And anyone who looks on that Savior in faith will be forgiven and healed of the fiery bite of sin in their life. Through me, Nicodemus, people will be forgiven. Through me, Nicodemus, you will be forgiven. You will experience the second birth. I will come to live in you. Now, as we study these verses, we come to three of the most beloved verses of God's Word. When any person looks up off of the ground of this common, material, earthly life, when they look up off of the ground and they look up and see Jesus on the cross dying with our sin on his shoulders, taking our sin upon himself on that cross, these three verses take effect and they become reality to every believer. Look at John three fifteen through 17. I am humbled just to read the verses. These, of course, are Jesus' own words to Nicodemus. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How, as a preacher behind the pulpit, how do I address those words adequately? Friends, I can tell you, I, I cannot. I, I don't have the human words to bring any more light to those words. God's precious truth revealed to us here. This is the awesome, inspired, inerrant, perfect, powerful promise of Jesus Christ. And I am so overwhelmed by these three verses that I can only say this. All of life... Listen to me. All of life truly does come to one central, solitary question. When we realize that the day is going to come when every single one of us is going to leave money and houses 
and cars and clothes and fame and diplomas, all of that is going to be left behind. It's going to be utterly gone. All of our earthly collection of everything we've ever received is going to be utterly gone. Jesus said moth and rust is going to corrupt it all and take it all away. It's going to be gone from our lives. And the only thing that will exist in our lives, it's not in a bank account, it's not by what we collected on earth, it's all that's going to exist is the answer to one single solitary question before you and me. And when we get to that point that we have left earth and we've left everything behind and all we have is this one question to answer, the answer to this question cannot be changed, it cannot be turned around, and it will stand for all eternity. And the question is this. Did you ever lift your eyes off the things of earth and lift them up to see Jesus on the old rugged cross who died for your sin, who took your and my sin upon himself and died on the cross, taking our punishment that was rightly ours upon himself that you and I might be forgiven? And the answer to that question is going to stand for all eternity. The answer to the question is a simple yes or no. Look at John 3, 17. I want to remind you of this as we think about that question. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God also reaffirms that statement in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. This is the way Peter words the word of God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's heart is for every single person on earth to lift their eyes off the things of earth, lift them up to Jesus on the cross, and say, Lord God, I believe he did it for me. I believe Jesus Christ took my sin to the cross, and I need him as my Savior. God promises to save every person who comes to him in faith. No matter your background of sin, no matter where you've been, what you've done, he promises forgiveness. And he's opened the door of opportunity to you and me so many times. Every sunset of love that we've seen. Days of grace and blessing in your life. When you've had a special strength for a challenge, that's God's strength in you. He's given us people in our lives who have lived and modeled the Word of God before us. I'm largely in a pulpit today because of the people who lived and modeled the good news of Jesus Christ before me. Ultimately by the Word of God, but I saw it in so many believers he gives us every breath. He gives us every beat of our heart. Our life is filled with the goodness of God, filled with the gifts of God that we often don't even think about. But all of the gifts of God lead us to one question. Did you ever lift your eyes up and see how much I love you? That I gave my son Jesus to the old rugged cross to save you. Did you ever get your eyes off of the earth and look up and see my son. You've heard about him all your life. 
Maybe for some people, they've sat in church thousands of times, heard thousands of sermons, but they've never truly lifted their eyes up and saw Jesus on the cross for them and truly said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you because I see what you have done for me. You know, Romans 14, 12 is a very short little verse, but boy, does it pack a punch. Listen to what it says. Romans 14, 12 says this. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. The day is going to come when we will give account of ourselves to God. One day, every person, myself included, every person is going to stand before the brilliance and the radiant holiness of God Almighty. We're going to be alone standing with God, according to the word of Paul here. And God is going to ask the one eternal question. Did you ever come to my son Jesus as your Savior? Remember he told you. I recorded it in John 14, 6. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No man's going to come to the Father but by me, Jesus. And so the Father is going to say, did you ever receive my son as the way and the truth and the life? Did you ever lift your eyes off the things of earth and see my son? Did you ever see him on the cross for you? Did you ever say, Jesus, I believe you did that for me? And in the blinding light of God's holiness and justice, every single person can only answer one word, yes or no. Yes or no is the only reply to the eternal question. No one else is going to stand there and argue your case for you. There will be no excuses before God Almighty of why you never made that decision. You're not going to have a lawyer with you to finagle some lesser sentence. The answer before God Almighty in His blinding holiness is, Yes, I received Jesus. No, I did not. All of the gospel comes to that point. And I am so grieved to tell you there will be lost people. You know, in our world today, there is such racial tension in our country. Riots and fires and protests and people tearing down statues from a history that we can't go back and change. People are stating, we are important. Look at us because we're so important. I just want every person to understand this passage. I would love to take every person to this conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus because God says, yes, every person of every color and every nation is important to me. Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you alone. Jesus came to save you, to give you life everlasting. Jesus came to go to the cross to give you forgiveness. Yes, every single life is precious and important because I came to save every single one. And yet, in the grand scheme of eternity, according to what I see here in John chapter 3, there will be lost people. There is no such thing as universal salvation. God is not this old grandpa that just says, well, since I let one in, I'll just let you all in. That's not the way the Bible is expressed at all. 
We come in one by one, decision by decision, person by person. Sadly and sorrowfully, there will be people who go to hell. There will be people who will be separated from God. Why is that? Is it because God is cruel? Because it's God's fault? Absolutely not. Not at all. Look at John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said this, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. So Jesus says, there will be people who are condemned to hell, all to God's grief. It is not God's heart. He tells us over and over again, he loves us so much that he came to save us all. He is not slack concerning his promise that he doesn't want one person to perish in hell. But to God's grief, people will choose their earthly, menial, money-based, stuff-based life rather than get their eyes off of that ground and look up at the cross. They're too busy with the little things of life that they can't see Jesus giving himself that they might be forgiven. They love their money. They love their alcohol. They love their houses and their stuff. And all of those things became their God. And all they could do was look downward to that God of the earth, their material possessions. Things of earth or what they worshipped all their lives. They lived in that illusion that their bank account and their stuff was going to give them security. And they're so immersed in the world that they never lift their eyes off of the earth to look up to see Jesus, the Christ, who gave himself for them. And then their last earthly day comes. And they stand alone with nothing before a holy God. And he asks the eternal question, Did you ever come to my son? And their answer has to be no. And with holy grief, God will say, You chose darkness over my light. I gave you my light in so many ways throughout your life, and you continue to choose the darkness and evil over me. And so all I can say to you now is away from me. Depart from me. You will never see me again. You will never feel my light ever again. Believers, how blessed we are to know this God through Jesus Christ. Amen. How blessed we are to know that Savior who gave us light, who gave us life. We lifted our eyes off of the earthly menial things and saw him. said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Thank you. I give you my life. I want to be your child For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that I, believing on him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, thank you that you gave life to me, that you gave me a second birth, and I live now for you. But today, if your life and your sight is still in darkness, if you've only seen money and possessions and you think that's the centerpiece of life, 
If you really think that's what life is all about, just listen, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. It will all slip away from you one day. You're not going to have any of it ever again. It will leave you penniless and naked and lost. But God can change your heart. Look up. Look up and see what Jesus did for you. Look up to the cross. See the Savior who gave himself there with your and my sin on his shoulders. He died the perfect Lamb of God that we could be forgiven. Look up. Get your eyes off of the ground of earth and look up to him. He wants you as his son or his daughter. He can change your heart. John 3.15 says, Whoever believes in Jesus will not perish. That's not a maybe won't perish. It's likely you won't perish. Jesus says you will not die in hell, but you will have life everlasting with him. Just come to him. Bow to him. Let him move into your heart. Let him redirect your life. Most important, on that coming day when you stand before God and he asks you the eternal question, you will say, yes, Lord God, I came to Jesus as my Savior. It's the best news in the world, the heart of the gospel. I pray that you believe it as your own. Let's pray together. Our Father, our God, as we gather here today, this is the centerpiece of the Bible where Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Father, if I am joined with fellow believers today. We celebrate before you that we're going to have heaven together. But help us to remember that we have a mission right now to call the earth to look up and see the Savior. Help us to live lives. Help us to speak words that people will look up and see Jesus for their own life. For that one who has never received you today, who's listening by streaming right now or a podcast later down the road, he or she can look up from the earth of life and see a Savior who wants to give them a second birth of forgiveness and salvation. I pray he or she right now, this moment, will say, yes, Lord Jesus, I come to you. Bless us, we pray, Father, with that eternal question that every one of us can say, Yes, I know him as my Savior. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.